Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the 429th edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business Channel. We're broadcasting across the world in this our 10th year from our studio on Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood, California. And this is the place where technology meets entertainment. With um, Obviously, I'm Australian. I've been living in the United States for nearly 35 years, but I'm originally Australian. So I'm very interested in what's happening back in Australia with the fires. And unfortunately, global carbon emissions continue to rise, although... Um, the pace has slowed down a trifle. And while increased political agitation and the hard scientific facts will enhance international climate protection policy as we go forward, is still an enormous problem. The global population is growing at a rate of 80 million people a year, and the global economy is continuing to expand and looks like it will continue to do so for quite some time. And this means that energy consumption is always going to, is also going to increase further, causing any efficiency gains that we make to be offset. And despite considerable investments, renewable energies are still not capable of satisfying the growing global energy demand. Moreover, inexpensive and efficient industrial-sized storage technologies are still lacking, making it impossible to store enough surplus power from renewable sources. The uh, International Energy Agency forecasts that renewable sources of energy in global electricity generation will arise from will rise from 26% at the moment to 44% by 2040. And more than half of that will be provided by wind and solar power. However, the IEA also expects a share of wind and solar power in primary energy demand from rise from just 2% now to 7% by 2040, while fossil fuels demand will only decline from 81% to 74% by 2020. So in, 70, in 2040, we're still going to have three quarters of our power from fossil fuels, which is a problem. Now, new renewable energies just can't currently ensure a steady supply of energy. So for the foreseeable future, additional controllable energy and electricity generation capacities are always going to be required. Now, one solution is a new scale power, which is a prototype small portable reactor that barely uses any nuclear fuel compared with current reactors. And uh, it's a fraction of the size of its predecessors. And it doesn't need a 10-mile exclusion ground or, um, area around it like the current reactors do. Now, this um, new-scale power, it doesn't produce only about a tenth of the power of the big nuclear um, plants that we have now, but you can link them together, and it still uses very little nuclear fuel and produces a lot of power. Now, that's one possible big saviour in the future. Now, many countries have implemented subsidy schemes to increase the share of renewable energy and have reduced the share of electricity generated by conventional power plants. 
Globally, investment in renewables averaged almost $300 billion a year since 2010. And between now and 2040, the investment in renewables is expected to reach $8 trillion. It's a humongous amount of money. And that's more than the investment in all other sources of energy, which is oil, coal, natural gas and nuclear energy, together. Despite all this, the IEA expects energy-related carbon emissions to rise by 0.3% each year until 2040. So we're in trouble and we continue to be in more trouble. Now, to achieve climate goals with today's technology, fossil fuel subsidies need to be abolished, which is just logical. You know, the United States spends 10 times more money on fossil fuel subsidies than it does on education. Now, how obscene is that? High taxes levied on carbon emissions need to be put in place or a price put on emissions via an emissions trading scheme either would drive a significant price increase for fossil fuels. And, of course, that in turn leads to huge costs for the economy and particularly for the poor. And then if you subsidise the poor, that gives you less money to um, implement climate protection measures. There's also the political cost of a climate protection policy. One of the ridiculous things that I find is that while people say climate change is a huge problem and while the uh, experts say that's an existential threat to the whole planet, most voters believe that other problems are more pressing. Surveys show that people are unwilling to shoulder burdens for the sake of the climate. Now, how ridiculous is that? You know, <laughs> we don't want to show, shoulder any burdens, but we want you to stop the planet from disintegrating. Um work out how to do it without the money. Now, first, climate protection measures must become considerably more efficient since financial resources to combat climate change are pretty limited. Secondly, research and development of cheap, reliable, low-carbon technologies must rank much, much higher on government's priority list. And thirdly, with global carbon emissions continuing to rise, the focus should be on measures to adapt to climate change. Is it a lost cause? God, sometimes it seems like it, doesn't it? But no, we just all need to be prepared to demand climate change action by governments. Now, do you get my daily 30-second read business newsletter? We've got about 1.7 or 1.8 million daily subscribers. It takes about a minute to read, and every day we tackle a different subject from medicine to new apps, to new technology, to subjects like Hyperloop and autonomous cars, blockchain, artificial intelligence. We cover the whole gamut. And tomorrow's newsletter is about how big tech is addressing the homelessness that, in large part, Google, Amazon and Facebook actually created. So that's one you should read. You should know about this stuff, and the only place you'll find it is in the Bob Pritchard newsletter. So if you don't receive it, go to my website, bobpritchard.com, and subscribe. It's easy. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that dating sucks. 
it's so difficult. And meeting someone at a dinner party or at a bar seems so much easier than going to an app like Village Matchmakers or placing personal ads or surfing dating sites and apps. All that's hard and it just seems so, I don't know, remote or distant or non-personal or something. So in my experience, there's no easy method to find your perfect mate. But there are some scientists who think that the solution is written in our DNA. A 60 Minutes profile of geneticist George Church, and you might have seen this, it covered a lot of weird science, but it was a conversation about his DNA-based dating app that raised eyebrows and caused this huge commotion on Twitter. Now, many accused Church of um, promoting controlled breeding to increase the occurrence of desirable, heritable characteristics and trying to wipe out people with disabilities. Now, we all, we all remember how well that worked with the Nazis in Germany. Now, Church responded by saying the point of DNA-based dating is not to eliminate genetic diversity, to, but to prevent fatal hereditary diseases like, for example, cystic fibrosis. Church likens DNA-based dating to genetic counselling that some couples already undergo. It still doesn't make it good or right. But where those screenings help couples decide whether to have a baby, DNA-based dating would keep them from meeting in the first place. DNA-based dating blocks users who match on certain conditions from seeing one another's dating profiles. So... If your DNAs don't match or if there's a problem, then you don't even get to meet. Feramore, which you've probably heard about, it's another DNA-based dating app. It makes matches based on the results of DNA swab tests in an algorithm that examines social factors. The science is unproven, but so far the Feramore app has about 10,000 users about half of whom have sent in their saliva for sequencing. It's a slippery slope, this one. And while this hardly compares to the number of people using Tinder, which is around 50 million, and Bumble, which is around 40 million, it's not a small number. 10,000 people that are worried about genetics and DNA is a big number. And given the prevalence of direct-to-consumer genetic testing, it makes sense that more DNA-based services, for example, like Jenna Plate's genetic-based nutrition analysis diet program, have you seen that? Geez, they get your DNA and then they work out what your diet should be. It's, it's all too hard. Now, my guest after the break is Corentin Denude. He's a, an extraordinarily successful serial entrepreneur from France and is the CEO and co-founder of Blockchain Studio. Now, Blockchain Studio's purpose is to increase and facilitate blockchain usage while accelerating and securing the implementation of decentralized applications for businesses. It's a great program. And this is Bob Pritchard, and I'll be back with Corentin in just a moment.
us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. Your leadership journey must be a continuous process of education and improvement. If you think you've learned all you need to know, think again. Find out the latest from contemporary authors on topics from character to values and everything in between. Discover insights into servant leader fundamentals along with your host, Tom Crea. Tune into Your Evolving Leadership Journey, Mondays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Radio Show, where over the past nine years, we've given you an insight into the lives of some of the world's most interesting business people, and their very interesting and their exciting new initiatives. We talk to the entrepreneurs behind these projects about the services they provide, the challenges they faced, and what we try to do is ascertain what it is that makes them tick. What makes them successful when 99% of all other entrepreneurs fail? As we all know, blockchain has been the impetus between the greatest investment opportunity in history, Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. Now, I'm speaking with Corentin Denou. That's sort of a mix between bad English and really bad French. Uh, I'm, sp- I'm speaking to Carton in Paris, and he's an extraordinarily successful serial entrepreneur, and he's the CEO and co-founder of Blockchain Studio, and their purpose is to increase and facilitate blockchain usage while they're accelerating and securing the implementation of decentralized applications for business. As we all know, if you listen to this program, we've been pushing blockchain for seems like three or four years or more, and we've talked to you about how blockchain is um, now being used by most banks, by um, stock exchanges, by insurance companies, by a whole wide range of applications. Now, Corentin co-founded WeJet, the largest taxi jet airline in Europe, 
where he was CEO for 10 years. He's a qualified pilot and he also co-founded OpenJet, an end-to-end flight management platform for private jet companies. Then he opened a boutique hotel in the heart of Paris. Wow. So by creating a suite of applications, Blockchain Studio strives to increase and facilitate blockchain usage while accelerating and securing the implementation of decentralized applications for business. Founded last year, Blockchain Studio's first application software suite, Rockside, connects enterprises to blockchain and enables developers to navigate the transition to blockchain infrastructure. That's from building to monitoring applications for production in a scalable and secure manage- manner. Blockchain Studio is based in Paris and Singapore. Hi, Corinton. How are you? Hello, Bob. How are you? Good. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. You're being heard right around the world. Um, at what stage in your life did you decide you wanted to be an entrepreneur? You know, did, Not everybody wakes up one morning and decides to start an airline. How did you? How did you get well, into it? I think I was like, um, I was around maybe ten years old or something like that. And my first internship, you know, you have to do like one week internship when you're uh, very young in France. And I've done it with my in, in my cousin enterprises uh, enterprise. He was only one person. So it was one person enterprise, and I loved what it did. So I think he gave me the the. The 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 the, 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 the entrepreneur uh, uh, love and, and 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 I want you to make that. So, an airline. I mean, surely one of the hardest businesses in the world is after the restaurant business, of course, has got to be an airline. I mean, the only airlines that seem to succeed are the really big guys. So, why would you go into something that's as hard as that? Why wouldn't you pick something <laughs> easy? Yeah, you're right. Actually, uh, uh, Richard Brunson said, you know, how to be billionaire. Yeah. Uh, how to be millionaire, sorry. You have to be billionaire and, and, and create an airline. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> Actually, it was a, um, a school project. I was at uh, HEC Business School in Paris, and someone came to do some market research about uh, new uh, aircraft, which was uh, less expensive, much more efficient. Yep. It was it, it, this aircraft, this Cessna Citation Mustang, built by the uh, manufacturer by the largest uh, uh, manufacturer, aircraft manufacturer, private jet manufacturer, were the aircraft that will totally change the world at that time. Um, and I did this project as a case study, and it worked very well. And I say, well, why not? I mean, if it works as a project, we, we, we should and we, we could start now uh, making it real. And this is how it started, actually. How, do you, how did you get enough money to start an airline? Where, I mean, one of the biggest problems that entrepreneurs have is raising capital. And I'm talking about, you know, you develop a new app and you're trying to raise a million dollars, for example, and it is really, really hard. So how do you, how did you raise the money to um, start an airline? Well, actually, that, that, that was probably the first uh, biggest difficulty we had uh, at the beginning. So it was in 2007. Yeah. 
we're starting to, so we did a business plan and we did some market research, you know, as like a good fit and do. Um, we were like just two, uh, so we were, no, none, none of us know actually anything about about plane. I was passionate about it, but uh, at that time I was not piloting. And so we met probably 100 uh, funds, so like 100 pitches, and, and always the same answers was like, uh, okay, look, your project look, looks very good and very promising, but uh, please come back when you get WannaCraft and when you are like profitable. Um, so we, at some point, we were like uh, almost we almost stopped, and and then we we said, okay, um, our clients are like very rich clients, so they could be also investors. So that's uh, that's that's a good way to get investors and clients at the same time. Yeah. So we started to 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 pitch to uh, individuals actually. Uh, so started with French people and 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 and, and all, all uh, and even like foreigners and, and so on and like passionate people about about aviation. And then uh, in 2009, actually, I was I was uh, I was around 24 years old. I was minus seven thousand euros on my personal account, so I was super motivating, you know, at that time <laughs> to raise money because it was my last choice. Yes. And we got one guy who say, "Okay, I will invest four hundred k," which was very low, very slow, a very small amount. Right. But as that was the beginning, and money calls money, as we said in French. I don't know say that in American. But, uh, and and then more and more people came and then we, 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 we get to a point where we raised two million euros in seat so we had no aircraft, nothing. And and, <laughs> um, and, 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 and with eighty people. So that was we actually invented the crowd funding at that time. Yeah, I don't know if it was existing in two thousand seven. Right. Yeah, once you get that first investor it's much easier to get others. It's the first one that's always very hard. Exactly, exactly. So, and actually, the second reason was, at that time, before we, we created the company, uh, we, we, I've created a website, so I was developing, I developed by myself, where you could, like, um, order and book a flight from uh, Geneva to Paris, and it was like the company was existing, and someone clicked on the website and asked for quotes. And I sent him the quote, and he answered back and agreed on the quote. Right. And which was funny that at that time we we had no company, we are no aircraft, we are <laughs> no pilots, so Love nothing. It. So we already, you know, get around it was seventy thousand euros, something like that, without any marketing and without cash. So it helped us a lot to get the first euros and the first investors. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great story. It's a bit like, uh, it reminds me of um, Bill Gates when he started Microsoft and they were in the garage and um, they had the business in the garage of the house and they had one telephone in and you, when you phoned in, the answer phone said, you know, click, uh, press one to get accounts, press two to get sales, press three to get a, <laughs> and all they had was one phone. <laughs> That's a great story. Yours is very similar. You know, you, you start an airline, take bookings, and you don't have a plane. That's, I, <laughs> I love it. So after that, you started another airline. Sorry? After, after the first one, you, you started the second airline. 
Why? Well, you're talking about OpenJet, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, OpenJet was not an airline, actually. You know, we so we started like all the airlines, and the process are super complex in airlines. Right. And when we started it, we didn't even know that it was so complex. Sure. Um, so it's like, yeah, they, we didn't know that it was impossible, so we made it. I, lo- I love this sentence. Yeah. Uh, so... I'm, I'm a geek, you know, I'm, I've done in engineering school and I, I saw that we could like automatize many things like pilot management, aircraft management, all the, um, the maintenance management or all the things. So I started by myself developing a small tool on Excel and, and, and small like PHP uh, application. And then I said, okay, that's, that's working a lot for us. And that help us a lot to, to improve our, our operation. So we could probably make something that we, we can sell to others. So then others we, will pay for our own development. So this is how we, we started OpenJet. And it was right. actually a, kind of a back office or an, an ERP for a private jet airline. Right. And at that time, all the people, all the planning. So w- when you went to the Bourget, which is the largest airport, uh, private jet airport sure. in France, uh, all the the planning was uh, were on a, on a whiteboard, you know. Yeah. Uh, so it means that the the cleaning lady comes and and and, and erase everything. You lose everything. <laughs> that, that, that was crazy <laughs> like that. So so when we we come to them and with a software, uh, they the, of course quickly like accepted it. Uh, it was a long time to 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 change the processes and stuff, but but that that was obvious actually. Right. So then a boutique hotel. Talking of hard businesses, hotels are another hard business. What what ever possessed you to go into a hotel? Well, that, that was a, a funny personal story. Um, so my girlfriend and I were like looking for an apartment in Paris. And, and then, you know, it was a rising of Airbnb at that time and like a lot of Airbnb uh, uh, apartments everywhere. Yeah. So we, we, we said, okay, well, let's let's take a bigger apartment and we cut it in two, in two apartments and we rent one in Airbnb and then the, 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 the rent will pay our, our loan yep. um, because I was, I was not like, I was not rich. Uh, and, and, and then we saw like a bigger apartment, a bigger one, a bigger one, we saw building and, and then we had this opportunity of this hotel. It was actually already an hotel, but just a small hotel. The, 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 the owner was living inside the hotel and, and we, we saw the condition of the hotel and, and that was how we, we started this, this cool adventure, actually. That, that was pretty cool to, uh, you know, to offer a cool service to people and you get rewards from, from that. And I, I love this type of business. Yeah, that's great. I need somewhere to live, so I'll um, buy a hotel. I love it. <laughs> okay, tell me, tell me about Blockchain Studio. What's it trying to achieve? What is it, sorry? What is Blockchain Studio trying to achieve? Yeah. yeah. So um, we started. We started first um, developing a software uh, to help enterprises and, and, and especially people who are not developers to be able to develop a decentralized application and to use blockchain. Um, and then, like we we developed this project, and uh, it was working well for uh, training, uh, but no one was 
were buying it. There were no market for it. Right. But because we had this good, um, good like advantage of saying that okay, we have a software where everyone could, uh, we, everyone could, can use it. So, so we had a lot of uh, meetings with people. We probably met hundreds of companies in Europe. Right. And we realized that one of the biggest issue for the enterprises to use blockchain is the connection between what they have today, so their legacy systems, their application, or what they develop, and the blockchain itself. Right. And when you think about in 1995, um, when you want to do an e-commerce website, you had to develop your website and then find a way to connect the way to the brand. So you have to develop everything, the connection, the transaction uh, treatment, the credit card storage, and there are like a lot of credit card That was super complicated. So there were like very few websites. And yeah. then arrived the payment service provider, uh, such as PayPal and Stripe, yeah. and and now like I so like in November two thousand eighteen, uh, PayPal recorded twenty five thousand US dollar of transaction per second. Right. That's amazing. That's what they've done. It's amazing, and the reason is because it's super easy to use for the end user. It's super secure for the company. Super easy for the developer, and we do exactly the same for blockchain. We connect the application to the blockchain networks, whatever networks, and with one software, and that is very easy to use. So you, you develop the interface between their existing systems and blockchain. Exactly. So is it is it easier to, in the longer term, is it better for the company to do that or get rid of the legacy systems and just switch over to blockchain? Well, of course, at some point they will they will get rid of the of the legacy system. Sure. But you know, it takes time. Like when you're checking and you started talking about bank insurance, and you're right that the first users of the blockchain, and we will see more and more other uh, businesses as well that will use blockchain. But so there is like there will be like some time before they change the switch from one to the others. And what we do as well is that. If they want to develop a totally decentralized application, they can develop it. And at some point, they need to connect this decentralized application and this, the interfaces, et cetera, et cetera, to the blockchain. Right. So anyway, they will need a connection to the blockchain. And this is what, what we offer, even to connect the legacy system and to connect the, 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 the new application. Does One of the advantages of blockchain, of course, is that it's... Um, um, totally transparent and it's um, very fast by connecting up to their legacy system does that slow the whole thing down I mean does that in to some degree negate having the blockchain well I think well um, like as an, as an example I don't know if we could consider Salesforce as a as a legacy system but uh, I think we will we will not see Salesforce uh, be dead in, in the next years, but Salesforce we use blockchain for specific stuff. Yeah. Uh, for uh, like today, if you're using Salesforce uh, by itself, there's no connection in between different Salesforce clients, and right. blockchain will bring away 
to connect all the different Salesforce clients together. So we are like, so the, so the blockchain will, will improve what we have today. Uh, of course, we'll have new businesses and all of that. And in, in, ten, in, in the next 10 years, the 50% of the revenue that will be made through, thanks to blockchain will be new businesses, so business that we even don't know now. Sure. But, uh, but, but there are also 50% that will improve what we have now. So just some improvements. So yeah, we will be big change, but we will be we will see also small improvement. Right. See, with quantum computing coming somewhere, you know, I think it's a lot further away than people suggest. But will will quantum computing take away the need for blockchain? I mean, will that will will you have a situation where you can unravel a blockchain in two seconds or? tenth of a second or a millionth of a second with um with quantum computing yeah that's that's super interesting question uh yet theoretically yes the answer is yes but before that uh before uh, it will like uh, read all the blockchain or a general version of whatever because it will hack the blockchain it will also hack uh your bank account your credit cards uh, maybe your car or whatever. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that will be hacked, that could be hacked thanks to quantum computing. Yep. So we will improve exactly like we improved, you know, the safety of the car, security of the card and, and the, the cryptography and stuff. We will improve blockchain step by step. And even as of today, if you are talking about a small, like, little program that makes um, Bitcoin or Ethereum works, there is an update every two weeks and there will be big change every six months. So we will follow the, the, the power of calculation and, and, but again, like, like the credit card and, and all of the things. You could, I guess theoretically, quantum computing could improve blockchain to a point where it couldn't be hacked, couldn't it? Or could it? Uh, you mean improve the blockchain itself, yeah. the technology? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, that will push. Uh, that will help us to 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 improve it, and and the calculation of the quantum computing will make the blockchain much faster, much more efficient than it is now. You know, like in two years ago, um, there were like these crypto kitty games, which were like one of the first application on Ethereum where like people could buy or sell cats and oh, it's a game. And there were like a lot of people using it. And at some point, Ethereum, uh, there were like some transactions uh, uh, linked to this uh, just one game and, and right. the network goes slowly, slower, slower. And at some point, all the transactions didn't go through because of this game. Uh, and and now, if we start again, they they, they we already had some some improvement on, on the blockchain, so now it, it would never have happened. So, so yes, quantum computing will will help that, and will probably uh, help to to use blockchain for things that we cannot do right now. So, yes, that will be a good, big improvement. So, how does blockchain? Somebody hires you, a company hires you, um, to create an interface between blockchain and their legacy systems how do you go about that what do you do what do you take into account when you sit down with the with the company how does how does that work 
Yeah. So we have actually uh, two like offers. We have this uh, cloud offer. So it's a, a SaaS version to there where you can use you can log in on our website and we even have a free version of that so anyone can can use the system and try it. Yeah. Um, so we have this SaaS version, but for the large enterprises, uh, which our like main clients, such as like big banks, um, uh, utility companies, insurance, and all the stuff. They need uh, like many characteristics such as reliability, security, uh, volume, and integration with all the systems. So that what we do is that they we 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 take Rockside, we install Rockside on in their own infrastructure, and then we protect everything. So then it's integrating with all the security they have already and the IT security they have in the, their own company. In, in a one month or two, we, we integrate Rockside inside their infrastructure and then Rockside becomes the interface for all the decentralized applications that the company is developing. So how, how many companies today, are all companies today aware of how blockchain works and its benefits, or is it we're still in an education process where we're, um, you know, trying to teach people about what blockchain can achieve and what it can't? Well, it it has changed a lot the last two three months. They were like we saw like a big big change um, in two thousand seven two thousand eighteen. Yeah, of course, it was like most of our meetings with company was like free consulting and it was a bit boring, like explaining what is blockchain, blah, 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 yeah, and, sure. and what they could do. <laughs> yeah. and, and so very few revenue and almost no revenue because of that. And then, so we were a bit too much in that. And, and then in beginning of 2019 and even like Q2 2019, we, we saw big change. And now when people come to us and knows their project, so they already knows where uh, there is a, a big uh, advantage for, for for blockchain. They know their project and they know that they don't know how to do. So that's perfect for us because then we bring everything to help them to, to make it happen. Um, so we're like a, a, we save them in a way. We solve the, the, the situation. So there is a big chance. And and in Q2 2019, we saw like in Europe especially and in Asia as well. That's why we are based in Singapore as well. Mm-hmm. We saw a lot of projects becoming, uh, uh, coming from POC, some proof of concept, yep. to live or at least pilots. Right. Uh, we're starting to see like big transaction. As an example, Societe Generale, a French bank, did a transaction, it was like a month ago, of 100 million euros of, of assets on blockchain. Uh, yesterday, no, it was last week, sorry, um, we, we saw a project in France, uh, which was the, the first uh, crowdfunding crowd for real estate on blockchain. So it was like 6.5 million. So we start that's to see real projects with, lo- with a lot of money. And that's, that's starting to be cool. But we're still at the beginning. Um, we, we consider that less than 8% of the project are in pilot or production uh, phase and yep. uh, we will need probably two three years be- before having like real big and big, biggest projects and the market today is say around five billion in the world and it will be 125 in 2025 so it's like it, it will grow a lot in the next in the, in the next, next month 
so yeah, there's, there's a big change right now. Where, when you go into a company or when a company comes to you, where's the resi- is there resistance and is it from the is it from the board who are usually older and more conservative? Is it from the financial people who usually don't want to spend money? Um, so does the impetus come from sort of the CEO and the marketing director and you've got to fight everybody else? Well, that, that depends. Uh, so if you're talking about PLC, so just we are most of the time talking to the innovation manager or something. So he have a budget to try and, and blah, blah, blah. And, but in this situation, which is funny, is that sometimes the developers block us because they say, we know how to do this. We don't need your software and blah, blah, blah. They say, okay, let's come back. Uh, come, we can come back in one, two months when we try and when, when you see that that's so easy that you think. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's, that's the first one. And then, yes, um, the, second, uh, the second issue we, we face to is most of the blockchain projects are linked to uh, enterprise consortium. So you sure. know, like different companies go together and talk together. Yep. Uh, as an example, we worked for a very big project in France with two, the, the main two utility companies, which are totally competitors. That are the, right. the biggest competitors ever. And they started to get together. So that's funny because blockchain makes people talk together. So that's pretty cool. And, and, and what was like super long, long was not like the technical issue, but was the discussion they had together. Uh, but once it was made, because it's like four or five big companies together, they got big budget and then it goes super fast. So that's that's um, usually it's not it's not an issue it's not a technical issue or a budget issue it's, it's more like governance and politics issue. When when two competitors combine like that doesn't doesn't that um, sort of eat away at the heart of competition? Sorry, I didn't hear you. Does that when when if you have two competing utility companies, for example, and they come together? Um, on an issue like that, does that um, harm competition between them? Do they get more friendly and more? <laughs> uh, yes. Well, in some way, yes, because, well, no, for, I mean, for their main business, no. <laughs> but usually, usually, like, blockchain brings, like, new things. As an example, this project was to certify um, the invoices because you, we use, in France, we use those invoices, those utility invoices, you know, to open a bank account and so on. So that was for sure. certifying this. So there's, there was not real competition in between that. I see. And the thing also is that blockchain, because you don't have such party, there's no issue about who will take care of it. That's yeah. everyone and no one in a way. Yeah, that's, yeah. There's no like such parties. There's no so there's no so it's not like okay, one wants to bring his own third party or the other one wants third party. No, it's like every everybody gets the same. So that's that. Yeah, some way they get friendly and and blockchain creates the friendship in between the two competitors. <laughs> okay, um, who are your main competitors? It is is it a very competitive market? Well. Um, since uh, exactly like the fact that there are like more and more life projects, we, we see more and more tools 
like we are developing. And so like every day, you know, we have a Slack in the, in the, in the, in the team. So everyone is, we, we talk very often. And every day, almost one of the, one of the person of the team, like see, put, put a link and say, oh guys, look, one competitor more, one competitor more. And which was funny that I, I lived exactly the same when, I, when we started widgets. Because, you know, it was the beginning of this small private jet. And so there were like many competitors, but like probably 95% of the competitors who had website, they never, they never flew. We yep. even saw a, a company raise 70 million euros right. and they spent all the money and they didn't have enough to pay the first aircraft. That was crazy. <laughs> uh, and and yeah. I think it's going to be the same for the, for the software and, and I think, but which is true is that um, we started to see Microsoft, uh, IBM, Amazon, uh, starting doing developing uh, a system kind of what we do. The big difference we have is that we are totally independent in terms of cloud um, and we do not lock our our clients. So if they want to start using our service, then they could start. And if they want to remove it, the blockchain will still continue working, which is the most important. But then they will need some other service to probably to, to find, but or they will have to develop themselves. But uh, if you use this IBM, uh, for example, blockchain platform, then you are locked. Right. And and as a startup, we are much more agile. So when we have a client, we, 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 we like got it. Like we are very quick in, in, in making like new features and that stuff. So, so we think that, that that's a good actually uh, point on the fact that the fact that this big company is starting on yep. this business, that's for us a good thing because they will probably help to train and to, to um, teach to the market uh, that we need this, this type of tool. And then we think that in some way we could add like some much better features and because we are a smaller team and uh, uh, probably uh, more like uh, 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 we, know, we know we don't have choice we need to make it yeah. so, so 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 we need to go fast so that, that's the big trend so what are the um, what do you see that I guess there's a lot of regulatory issues what are the biggest obstacles that you think you're facing with regard to regulations and government and well yeah and, and if we're talking about like France as an example there are like a lot of discussion and we have like a lot of meetings with deputy and and so on so as a one of the first like blockchain startup in France we were, we were in contact with them so that's pretty cool and we help them to to move uh, to, to move the unit of the law and to change the law. Um, one of the biggest issues at the beginning was that blockchain was equal to crypto and to Bitcoin at the beginning. Sure. And Bitcoin, like as an example for banks, had a very bad uh, image. But then uh, people start to understand that blockchain is not only crypto, it could be also like system to do trustability or whatever. And, and, and then uh, the, this image of this bad image of blockchain is a bit changing. But then there is another issue. Um, today, if I go to, if I have like a, a, a conflict with someone, I could use my email as, uh, as a proof of discussion or something like that. Yeah. Today, if I have a conflict with someone, this is very hard to use the blockchain and 
and and and whereas it's it's much more immutable, it's much more safer, and and it's it's a, it's a much better proof. Sure. So that that will take time, you know. This will take time. Uh, but we we see that uh, in France, as an example, there are like a lot of uh, deputy uh, um, and people who are working on this, and it's moving quite fast. So uh, I think next year um, there will be there will be big change on, on the law. And and the other thing also for the bank, the um, opening of Libra, this uh, crypto from yeah. Facebook, yeah. Uh, that make all the banks now worry about the fact that they need to go on crypto. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. So thank you, Facebook, for that. <laughs> yeah, Corinton, we're we're out of time unfortunately, but thank you very much for speaking with me on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Now, to yeah, contact Corinton or to find out more information, visit Rockside, R O C K S I D E dot I O. That's Rockside dot I O, and I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business after this short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. Tired of the Get Rich Quick or How to Flip Home shows? Are you ready to step up your game and invest in commercial real estate? James Nelson, a top New York City broker, will show you step-by-step how to acquire, operate, and profit. You'll also hear from real estate legends on how they made their fortunes and industry experts on strategies for success. Tune into Real Estate Investing, live from New York, on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the 429th Bob Pritchard Straight Talking, absolutely no bullshit business radio show coming at you on Voice America Business Network in this our 10th year of broadcasting from our studio on Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood, California. Hollywood, California, of course, is the capital of entertainment in the world and it's rapidly becoming a technology hub. 
I think it's now about number three in the world. Now, sex techs, sex tech featured at the CES Gadget Show in Las Vegas last week. And this happened after organisers endured scorn for revoking a prestigious innovation honoree award. This was in the robotics and drone category. And it was won by a sex device company led by a female founder. And uh, when they revoked the award, all hell broke loose. And uh, so following strong criticism, CES organisers immediately reinstated the award and apologised. So CES went ahead and allowed space for sex sex tech companies as a one-year trial. The companies were grouped in the health and wellness section of an official, but nevertheless a secondary CES location, an area that was geared towards very new startups. Now, Laura DiCarlo, it's a startup that pushed for changes after organisers revoked their award, showcased its Osei robotic personal massager. It was one of a dozen companies at the show that focused on vibrators, lube dispensers and other sex tech products. And founders of these startups say that their products are about empowerment and wellness for women. They're not about sex. They're, um, they say it's, it's overlooked. DiCarlo's $290 Osei device received $3 million worth of advanced sales, bolstered by the attention that it got after CES organisers overturned their award. The historically male-dominated tech trade show received criticism in past years because they all male lineup of speakers and it developed a real boys club reputation. So besides allowing sex tech, CES organisers brought in an official equality partner, the female quotient, to help ensure gender diversity. It's about time. This thing's been going forever. The female quotient, which trains companies in equality practices, also had a conference for women during the show, which was really well attended. It's been a long process for many sex tech companies to convince investors that they're part of a growing trend, there's enough customers. For some reason, investors shy away from sex tech products. And much of the push has come from the startup's female founders and from younger customers who are much more willing to talk openly about sexuality. And the larger institutions are now starting to take note from VC firms to large Fortune 100 companies. This left large institutions like CES absolutely no choice but to include sex techs, sex tech, (laughs) in the program. Now, founders insist that their devices, ranging from vibrators to lube dispensers to accessories, have effects outside the bedroom, arguing that sexual health and wellness is health and wellness. It's about health and wellness of women, and men should care about that. So they're saying that sex tech is immediately connected to stress relief, to better sleep, to empowerment and confidence. However, sex tech companies still face major barriers to growth. There are still plenty of roadblocks to advertising on social media and still traditional investors snub these companies. But exposure and controversy at CES 2020, it's a great start in correcting this imbalance. Go for it, girls. Now, remember, if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up way too much space. It's easier and more rewarding to do the impossible 
than it is to do the ordinary. Anybody can do the ordinary. Go down the street. There's millions of them, and they're ordinary. And guess what? They're boring. And if you're always going to be boring, you'll never know how amazing you can be if you just push the envelope. In the meanwhile, have a great week. Continue to be successful because when you think about it, the alternative to success really sucks. This is Bob Pritchard, and thanks very much for listening to me. See you next week. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.